0: Greetings, friends! Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my silent and masked assassin of a co-host. It's Alex Dandino.
1: Don't worry, no one's scary here.
0: <laughs> Chill, city. <laughs> no- <laughs> For our younger audience, they won't remember the days when you actually used to just be able to dial landlines and do that, and they had no idea who was fucking calling, and it was the funniest thing ever. Oh, my God. Yeah, but for you young horror fans, you'll never know that fucking joy. That was one of our things. Granted, we had to watch things on VHS and travel all over the state to find them. True. But not today, man. Horror uh, is back in a big, bad way. This is a special Now Playing. Uh, Alex and I... Drove our asses out to the movie theater to see the new hotness. Tonight, uh, in honor of October and All Hallows' Eve, we are talking the brand new Halloween. For some reason, not called Halloween 2, which I thought would be a nice touch. Halloween Remix something. Reloaded. (laughs) uh, (laughs) They should have done Michael Scott. Halloween, here I go again. Oh, that was the no, one, man. This is just Halloween, which has been confusing me and annoying me, but neither here nor there. So, this is a brand new Halloween film. Uh, this is an interesting take on a remake, essentially. Because while it's a remake and a reboot for the series, it is acting as if the first film happens and then this is the long awaited sequel right so we're throwing away the curse of the thorns yeah we're throwing away rob zombie we're throwing away h2o no season of the witch never gets kicked by buster rhymes we're throwing all that shit (laughs) and uh so it's it's an interesting take on the reboot to do the reboot as a sequel yeah uh we're directed by david gordon green uh the weirdest part of this movie is that Danny McBride co-wrote it. He of uh, Kenny Powers fame. Very yeah. funny guy.
1: Rough House took this They got win.
0: Jamie Lee Curtis back. They got Nick Castle back as The Shape uh, slash Michael Myers. um, And they even got John Carpenter, uh, his kind of blessing. And he did some new music for it, which is super fucking awesome. Yeah. But that's not what we're here. We're not here to just be an IMDB page for you. We're going to dig fucking deep on this one. Alex leaving the theater. Uh, your initial thoughts on the long, long-awaited sequel to Halloween?
1: Uh, you know, I've never been a big Halloween guy. Um, this I, okay. Where do you
0: rank? What's your favorite kind of slasher series? Where does Michael Myers rank? I mean, among I, your Voorhees, among your Freddies.
1: I mean, I'd probably say I prefer Freddy, but that's because I think that dreams are a little scarier. This is like. This is your classic. To me, as it's gone on, obviously, the mystery has become less mysterious, especially when they started doing a lot more Laurie Strode being his sister and that kind of thing. So to me, Halloween never struck a chord, but uh, I always liked the original. The original was always really cool. Again, it was never like my stees just jumping into a Halloween movie. It was never one that I was going out for. My The biggest, like, probably the biggest thing I remember is – Um, there was a, the, the job I had in high school is I worked at a tuck shop and the trailer, uh, we had a little TV and we had three movies. One of them was copycat with Scorny Weaver and Harry Connick jr. (laughs) And one of the trailers was for Michael Myers season of the witch at the front of the, at the front of the VHS. So I always remember watching the trailer and being like Halloween, the curse of Michael Myers. So I remember that Wait,
0: season of the witch, I think is number Sorry, three
1: season. of The witch is number three. Sorry. It was curse of Michael Myers. Right. That's number six, right?
0: Curse of Michael Myers. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the one where they introduced Paul Rudd to the world. Yes.
1: So <laughs> that's the one that I remember watching trailers for a lot, but I've seen the original one. The what leaving the theater. I, I was like, that was a really good movie. Like I again, don't go like seeking out horror films. I the only time I've gone is usually with you. I went by myself and I really I really enjoyed myself. Like the movie itself was just I thought very well done and very well constructed, really interesting. And again, to me Michael Myers is this character that <laughs> to a layman and to someone who's not very familiar, you're watching this movie like throwing your hands in the air going, "What the fuck?" But like this is the part of that I this is the part that I like about going to see horror movies is the amount of reality you need to suspend is pretty low, I think, actually. You need to literally just give the movie one, and the rest of the movie sort of sings for you. And that's that's what I walked out of uh, with Halloween. Was I was like, that was a really fun time at the movies. Like, I had a great time watching that flick.
0: Yeah, this this was an interesting one for me, right? Halloween ranks among my all-time favorite movies, the first one. And as the the kind of classic horror movie monsters go, behind Pinhead, Michael Myers and Leatherface are kind of my next, like, 2A and 2B, right? Right. I love Freddy, but as he devolved more towards Looney Tune, I kind of was like, eh. And Jason Voorhees, to me, was just a less interesting Michael Myers, right? Sure, sure. Even though he kind of had better kills a lot. And, and a lot of the Friday the 13th movies are much better, to me, than the Halloween movies. Right. But I always liked Halloween better. I don't know why. I liked the Curse of the Thorn stuff. I always kind of wanted to do more of that. Like, who were the men in the black suit and the cult and all that? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I think the family bloodline thing was interesting enough. Sure. I love Halloween 3, even. And it has nothing to do with the series, right? I've just, <laughs> right. just always dug these movies and these characters. I even love the Rob Zombie movies. Oh, yeah. Which I know is is sacrilege. But we're going to talk about Rob Zombie down the road. Sure, we will. Um. The interesting thing to me is how much fucking hype this movie had coming in. Um, To me, I, I don't know. I kind of had, as I left, I really liked it. And the more I've thought on it, I've enjoyed it more and more. Because it's it's one of those, to me, they just, they had no missteps per se. Right. But I also don't feel like they went out of their way to kind of add anything to the movies. Right? The big exception, I loved what they were doing with Jamie Lee Curtis's character. Yeah. Uh, The worst review of the movie I read said that not only is this movie not good, but that it is an inferior Halloween H2O because they've already done this. She lived with post-traumatic stress and had like security systems Uh, that whoever wrote that, I mean, we should walk them Cersei Lannister style through the internet. (laughs) Shame. Shame. Yeah. I, I get your point there. Very clever fucking hipster. I think on IndieWire. Uh, but that's just the dumb. No one can watch this movie and say it's inferior to H two O. I
1: also think it's. the I wrong... think his
0: point is that on a bigger level, this movie. It it, it reminds me of a cover song, right? Like yeah. it's the way Weezer covers. Africa, uh, yeah. Africa by Toto, where it's it's so similar that while you kind of get the hints of Weezer, you wish they could have done a little yeah. more. I mean, and that that to me is my biggest gripe, and I, I think that's a small nitpick. I mean, but that was my initial gut reaction.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's essentially a retelling of the first movie. I, I think that it's it's really unfair to equate this movie anywhere near what H2O is because also, especially in terms of the characterization of Laurie Strode, like Lori Strode's PTSD in both movies exhibit in very different ways. Like, in this one, she's given a lot more – she's given a lot more ground to have actual Act. post-traumatic stress <laughs> issues. Right. Like, in the first yeah. one, first off, in H two O, for instance, and this is like the longest I want to spend talking about Halloween H 20 20 years later.
0: It's named H two O. And I was like, Water?
1: What, yeah. what what the fuck is happening? Like that's some <laughs> that's some marketing executive who literally is like calling someone at nine o'clock at night going, Hey, did you know it's twenty years after and the movie is an H movie? H two O. Yeah, well we
0: had we had a lot of bands with numbers in the name. He was probably just really into some forty one and whatever. And yeah. It just ran amok. Halloween was in trouble at that point. Probably, big, big trouble. But
1: so but here's the difference. Like, they don't give uh teaching jobs or especially like headmaster jobs to fucking uh people with massive PTSD from like a murder that happened to them <laughs> twenty years earlier. Right. Like that's not how that works. What I love about this movie is it puts Laurie Strode in the driver's seat of the fact that the way she's coping with it is by literally fortifying her life, everything about her life. I, I love right. that.
0: Well, that's what I mean though, right? Cause when you're a rich, successful headmaster and this is that, I mean, that might not be true to, I mean, that's how we feel. That might not be true, man. A lot of people overcome big traumas right. and are successful. Not, say, not me, saying
1: they can't be successful.
0: The, the movie doesn't, They're just kind of like, oh, here she is, the successful headmaster. This will make a nice slaughterhouse. Right. But they never really get very deep into her still reeling from it, right? Right. Obviously, she is, and they do a couple things. (laughs) This movie, the whole structure of this movie is built around um, the fact that she didn't survive that night. Yeah. She's still trapped in that same night. The same way that when we see Michael, he's sitting in that kind of iconic, now to me, chessboard uh with crazy people and chains mm-hmm. just like I don't know that that's the most effective way to do over <laughs> time I mean maybe the dog kennel has perfected it I don't know what's
2: better <laughs> I was like this
0: can't be right to just have them all out there with chains and shit right uh but <laughs> but that's what she's doing right it's it's this kind of stuck frozen in a moment that keeps replaying and it's almost as if they're both just on pause until they get to finish it
1: yeah in, I, I think
2: that's
0: in that, a good way to put that it. That absence, right? And then when we even meet her with the podcasters, there's just this completely different nature to Laurie Strode that we've never seen. Yeah. So if you take all the other movies out, you know, we're now seeing from uh, straight A, squeaky clean babysitter to just all out killing machine that's what she's trying to make herself essentially right. is michael myers she's trying to and make and that, herself michael myers that dichotomy Myers-proof. is so fucking fascinating yeah, yeah exactly right
1: i i think that that like i was i was sitting in the movie last night thinking about it i was like god like especially like there's the scene that they cover the um sort of they cover the brush over of like all the other halloween movies that have come since then which is like <laughs> right i heard your grandma was that guy's daughter nah th- or that guy's sister nah that's just some people made up that's it. Like, that's all we got. Like, of course, there are little hints dropped here and there. But, like, that's it. And right. the thing I love and the thing I was thinking about walking home was, holy shit. Like, imagine if this was the first Halloween movie that we had seen since then. Like, yeah. imagine if that yeah, had been the first sure. Halloween movie you'd seen since then and the fervor that it, like, would have, like, the real, like, because, to be honest with you, like, if you look, I mean, we're talking about Halloween H20 and Busta Rhymes in a Halloween movie. Like,
0: like Okay, time out though. I this is no shit. The Halloween with Buster Rhymes is actually one of my favorites. I think the, <laughs> the setup is unique and different. I think the Michael Myers in that movie is actually pretty fucking scary. It has good kills. And yeah, Buster Rhymes karate kicks him. That's yeah. awesome. Sure. That last scene, too, when he's in the fucking body bag and shit. I mean, people shit on Halloween Resurrection sure. a lot. But I Unfairly, think, that movie is much better than people remember.
1: But I think the other thing I think about is the brand. <laughs> like it's the same way that like Friday the Thirteenth has gone on. Like the brand gets diluted the further you get from like the original, especially when you start getting in towards like it's what happened with Freddy Krueger. It's what happens with yeah. uh Mike, Jason Voorhees, and it's happened with Michael Myers. Is the brand sort of dilutes down into this sort of oh yeah that movie again, like. The, I, it's why I think it's so important for people to see this because it's really very different from my, for my experience of going to see a that, Halloween. Yeah.
0: It, and that's, that's exactly right. Cause to me, what, and that's why I actually like Halloween Resurrection a little bit. Cause it's this kind of different version of the same. As the series goes on, it has to find a way to be fresh. Right. And I think. Michael Myers, or I mean, Freddie probably does the best, right? Because eventually they start getting into Dream Warriors and just they really embrace the craziness of that series. Um, Whereas Friday the 13th and in Halloween kind of stagnate a little bit.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, But what I like about this movie, and this isn't as much a criticism. I think it's kind of smart is they, they went the Force Awakens route where they're essentially going to remake the movie with the exact same structure, right? So all the big notes are there. Uh, We, you know, see the killer at the start. We know a bad thing has happened. There's the bus crash. He's coming back for Halloween. He's going after babysitters, you know, showdown at the end. It has all of the hallmarks of the original Halloween just kind of shuffled slightly. So they went the same route of we're going to make this as much – you know the heir apparent to John Carpenter is possible. Right. So while some people might knock it a slight bit for being a bit derivative of the original, I think it's kind of a cool hug, and I think they, I think to me the furthering of that relationship, uh, with Laurie Strode and her daughter and granddaughter especially, that's oh. where the movie's made. I thought it the was thing incredible. they did with Michael in this one is they reduced Michael to me, to just. You know they're like, oh, all he knows is killing. Like he just he gets out and he just goes and he can't stop killing. He just walks and kills and walks and kills. Right. And I'm like, all right, that's fine, but that doesn't make for an exceptionally interesting villain unless you give him that Laurie Strode board. And I thought what they did with her and Judy Greer's character, and especially the grant, like the relationship with her granddaughter, because her and Judy Greer, like you know she her kid got taken by the government. Right. Uh, She's had two divorces. We we can tell that's contentious, and her husband, who's this kind of classic dad douche, okay, hates Laurie Strode, right? By the way, so that makes perfect sense. But the the love of the granddaughter tells you that at some point there are moments of kind of human left in Laurie Strode. She sees the the remnants right uh, amongst this kind of like hardened facade.
1: I I love everything that goes on. Like the Laurie, the Strode family structure here is so great. Like a it makes me so happy to get to see Judy Greer like at the top of the at the top of one of these flicks. Like I, I, love Judy Greer. I've loved her for years. I think she's an incredible actress, and she gets fucking center stage next to Jamie Lee Curtis. That's great. Also, as just like awesome dorky dad comic relief, I love Toby Huss. I think that actor it was is good, right? <laughs> he might be one of my all time favorite characters. He's one of the like original upright citizens. Like I think he's one of the funniest actors. Like, he has played every guy imaginable in a television show and in a movie. And it's so funny to see him do, like, this fucking shrunk-down generic Illinois dad. Because he literally reminds me of everybody's dad when I was growing up. Like, making terrible jokes. Trying to be so cool and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he was so great. But (laughs) Judy Greer is so fucking good in this movie, man. Like, she is incredible. Like...
0: But that's that's what I mean though. You need someone like her to help Laurie Strode get where she's going, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's the thing to see Jamie Lee Curtis at this stage of her career get to go back to where it starts and really just fucking ring every little bit that was left on the table as Laurie Strode. Yeah, I feel like she just got everything out of it, and that and that's the thing. The the performance between the family. It seems minute, but to me, that's the knock on the Rob Zombie Halloweens. Because to me, there's not a scarier version of Michael Myers than Rob Zombie portrayed. Right. His Michael Myers is by far the most menacing and terrifying to me. Sure. But the knock on his, and this is a kind of all Rob Zombie films, right? Like I actually really enjoy Rob Zombie films, but it's hard to get through the first act Shame. at times. Because that, that, the intro to the characters. Right. The way? You're shaming me? (laughs) How fucking dare you, sir? (laughs) I'll not take your shame. I'm gonna throw on my Ozfest '98 shirt and fucking shame you. (laughs) Where were you, man, when Dracula happened? No, I'm just kidding. But
2: (laughs) dead girl. But that's
0: what I mean. I love the way he presents movies. I like the style of his flicks. I like the visceral fucking tear. Right? Like his characters are fucking scary as hell. But it's hard to get through the first act when he has to introduce you to normal people. Right. Because it's this fucking vulgar kind of exploitation version of people that I think most of us don't relate to. Well, so yeah. if you go back to Rob Zombie's first act of Halloween, the way people talk, like that breakfast scene, is so fucking annoying and horrible to sit through. <laughs> and they're trying to set up this abusive household and kind of invert the Michael and his sister relationship and all that. Fine. I don't want to sit there with those characters. And then I do not feel sympathy for them as they start to get slaughtered. Right. I,
1: I think that, <laughs> I think that's the flaw in the Rob zombie. That's the, that's the flaw in the Rob zombie plan. It was a Rob zombie plan is Rob zombie does one thing really well. And he makes really fucked up movies about fucked up people. like, House of a Thousand Corpses, Devil's Rejects, Lords of Salem. Like, that's what he does really well. So what you can't do is give him Halloween. And look, I'm sure that it's, you know, and I've seen parts of it, but I don't think you can give him a movie like this. That's supposed to be like really what Halloween is, is it's a disruption of suburbia. It's the cute little town on a night where all these kids are having a great time. Right. It's the, it's the disruption of the norm. And that's really kind of what's,
0: but imagine if those people moved into your neighborhood, you'd be all kinds of disruptive. Right.
1: Exactly. <laughs> like that's, what's disruptive about the Rob zombie movie. It's is, it starts that way. So like, you can't amp it up and you're right. Like no one in that movie is sympathetic to me. So therefore you're like, I don't give a shit about any of this. Like in this movie, right. and I can that's the
0: thing though. Then he went and made Halloween too. And he actually went like, Kind of more into Michael Myers' psychosis. And then he actually did the the PTSD Laurie Strode really well. Right. But everyone kind of shit on it because it was so unusual of a film. And, you know, his his style is so off-putting. Yeah. So this one, by by clinging a little closer to the things that we love from Halloween 1 and using that nostalgia as a shield... I think works beautifully in this movie.
1: I think so, too. I actually felt bad for people that normally in movies I don't give a shit about. Like, the boyfriend who goes over... First off, okay, there's something that I... I want to get this out of the way. That little kid that she was babysitting? Did he fucking run out of the house and no one ever recovered him? Is he lost? That was the scariest part of the movie. Uh, The little black boy that she was babysitting?
0: He is one of the all-time great additions to Halloween extra characters. He is the best. That whole sequence is so fucking funny, It's incredible.
1: And I was laughing my ass off in the theater, but the whole time I was sitting there, I was like, (laughs) When
0: he runs out of the theater, though, and he just looks, I forget what the boyfriend's name is, Drake, or whatever. The guy dressed up for he's like, you're going to die. And he runs past him. I was <laughs> yeah. like, that is one of my all-time favorite yeah. Halloween moments. I sat Where there, I was like. Kid "That kid just watched his babysitter die. He's like, fuck you, man. <laughs>
1: yeah, he's like, fuck this, I'm out of here. Like, that kid speaks the truth. And then we never see him again. I'm like, what happened to the kid? Is he okay? But that's fine.
0: Because I thought for a second they were going to slaughter that kid. And Me I too. And I kind of looked at my buddy who I went to the movie with, and I was like. This is one of those line in the sand moments for a movie where I'm like, if they kill this hilarious, adorable little kid, I'm walking out of this fucking theater. Yeah. Because they had a couple of them, right? When Michael hits Haddonfield and he's, and this to me is one of the brilliant scenes, right? Because Michael Myers in the Halloween series has gotten really zoned in on the Strode thing. Right. And I think I, I like that stuff personally, but I think it was a, a refreshing moment to wash all that away. Yeah. And bring him back to what he is, right? Just a mass murderer. So when he hits Haddonfield, and as the shape is just kind of walking around surveying others, and no one notices him or pays attention to him, they have these moments where he's just walking in and out of houses, slaughtering. And I think that was just such a, such a jerk-off to all of us longtime fans. Like, we're just going to give you this long sequence that has, you know... Nothing of merit to push the story forward other than we know you guys have been missing Michael Myers a lot. Right. We know you've been missing John Carpenter, Michael Myers a lot. Here you go, man. Here's just some unabashed. We're going to crack a fucking skull in. And that was my other red line moment because he bashes that lady's head in with the fucking hammer and you hear a baby cry. Yeah. And yeah. as he walks into the baby's room, I'm like, if he fucking bashes a baby with a hammer, I'm sorry. I'm a dad now. This is another red line. I mean, this is the thing the movie did, though, right? It also had an insanely annoying act one of uh, character introductions with all the millennial kids. Yeah. Every high school kid they showed, I'm like, they can all fucking be slaughtered. (laughs) I don't care at all. But I was like, not the fucking little kids, not the baby.
1: No, not the little kid who's getting babysat and not the little baby. But like, yeah, I was like, you know what? Especially that boyfriend of hers was like, kill that kid for sure.
0: That's okay. Okay. That to me is one of the biggest swing and misses in the movie is that he didn't kill fucking uh cross and Bonnie.
1: Yeah, instead he kills the that best friend who's just trying to get some strange.
0: Well, he got a little too friendly. It's true, he
1: got too friendly. Okay, in but this
0: era In this era, unacceptable. What well, a, in any era, what really. A, it's just
1: what, now, an ama- <laughs> what an amazing I loved that sequence though. Like that whole bit right there, I was sitting there I'm like, this is a great this is a great little moment though. Like, as far as this is the this is the bit to me that's and it's weird because I was reading a lot of interviews with which this,
0: which bit are we talking about
1: uh, the friend who when he gets the uh, friend who comes on to her and she runs away and he like is too drunk when he
0: when he's stuck in the yard and the movement lights are coming yeah, up. yeah, yeah, yes, yes, so that's what I mean this movie does Michael Myers, yeah. stalking so fucking well, right,
1: and he's he's not i mean the like and this is the thing I'm all like this is what I was talking about when I say like there's one thing you gotta overlook like for me. My biggest overlook for Michael Myers in general is the invincibility factor. Like I'm like, God damn it, you've got to be fucking kidding me! Like this guy gets winged twice, like really close to his femoral artery, and then also gets hit by a car and just walks away. And I'm oh, like, Oh yeah, this is almost annoying. Well, imagine
0: being that fucking stealth assassin. Because in this movie, everyone he stabs or kills with a hammer, it's like so precise. Yeah. I'm like, imagine doing that with one eye and no depth perception. That's insane. <laughs> that's supernatural power for sure.
2: <laughs> but no,
0: but that, that scene right there that you illustrated, that's actually one that we should talk about more because that moment illustrates a little bit more of the depravity of Michael Myers than some of the others, right? Right. Because when he just walks into that lady's house and she's on the phone and he stabs her through the back of the neck, that gets back to what Halloween re- was originally. John Carpenter was always talking about I wanted to take the horror cuz ever all the white people move out to the suburbs and they think they're safe from right crime and violence whatever. I wanted to go into their fucking houses and ruin that like you said. And that's what that lady is when she's just on the phone and Myers like right through the back of the neck. Great. Same with the lady with the hammer. Right. Now with the the friend, right? The the always BFF guy oh, yeah. um, who's just trying to, he thinks he's got his chance now at Lori, right? Right. The nicer version of Bonnie and Clyde we're led to believe. Right. Um, that scene where he's just kind of talking to Michael and spilling his guts out, you know, sorry, man, I just, I was with the girl and I was trying and sorry, bro. And he's got his <laughs> pocket full of beers. He just looks like the saddest oh, yeah. fucking disheveled loser. And Michael kind of looks at him. Right. And then the lights go off. And he's gone, and then he comes back, and he's still kind of surveying him. There's, there's this extra cat and mouse thing in that moment. Whereas an audience member, you're just sitting there. It's like you know exactly how this is gonna go, right? But you're left as an audience, and, and the stillness that they play this moment with is so brilliant to me because as an audience, you're just sitting there. Why the hesitation with this kid? Right. What is it that's going on in Michael's mind? I don't know the answer to that but it's fucking terrifying anytime you're you're doing a movie of the serial killer a mass murderer and the film slows down enough for you to be like what would be going through your head in this very moment right a- that's a great place to take us man because no one fucking knows and any answer would scare us i'm sure
1: yeah no i think that it's i mean it's just a great filmmaking choice to me like i love i love that scene because it's paced so well the motion lights do such a good job of like cutting the scene up a little bit but man like when it like and yeah you know it's coming but when it comes you're just like oh my god dude like the tension is built so well throughout the movie too like every bit of this every bit of tension building that goes on in this movie is done so well and so deliberately that there's nothing that's delivered wrong to me in this film like as far as like especially the ending like i think the ending is delivered so so calculatingly well like I was kind of just like I was taken aback. I was like,
0: "Wow." We'll get we'll get to the endings. I'm actually yeah. going to take umbrage with that a bit. Um, here's an interesting choice the filmmakers made that I wanted to get your take on. I was shocked how many deaths occur off screen. I uh I think that's a uh... okay. So we see all, all the people on the bus, right? The carnage of the bus. That's very reminiscent to the escape in the original, right? Right. But a lot of carnage we don't see. And then he fucking he kills that kid though. That, he kills that kid because that kid is armed. That was pretty. That's not cool. That was pretty. Uncomfortable. That was a fucking brutal moment. Yeah, like breaking. That was the kid's one of those. Head. I'm like, there's no fucking way. Like, and he did it.
1: The people that he kills in this movie, like the gas station thing. Also, we haven't mentioned this, but. Uh, something that I absolutely adore about the way this movie begins is it starts with two asshole podcasters trying to get to the bottom of something. Like imagine those, yeah. like it's just basically that the, it's basically a bunch of people who work for NPR showing up like, Hello, I'm a yeah. I'm a big fan. You're just like oh fuck. Well, you. I
0: mean, as two guys doing a podcast, I think we've seen into the future. Right, where I know, right. Where where will you ever go in the future where a story doesn't start with so these podcasters showed that up? That
1: was all I thought the whole time. I was like, these people so deserve to die. But like,
0: I'd go. I'd be like, fuck it. <laughs> But they but no okay so at the gas station though the right? the gas
1: station though the, the be- two
0: mechanics are killed off camera but it's not you know we see the we see the carnage like right. the guy's fucking face broken on the jaw like a bite the curb thing right but uh the the overweight friend is killed off screen
1: but there's something they do uh, on screen okay. that I think is really clever and really smart and something I would probably love more than any more than like anything I saw in this movie is they stop for gas and it's out of focus in the background but you see Michael walk and it through yes. the frame and like that's something that i absolutely love about this movie is it's not about the, it's not about the kills like that's the thing that i like is this movie yes. this movie is not here to like you've seen the kills already it's like david gordon green and danny mcbride are standing behind the curtain going like listen we all know you know what's going to happen. Like, there's absolutely nothing we can do here that's going to surprise you as far as murders go. Why don't we? <laughs> why don't we just creep the shit out of you and make this as like tension building as possible? And then, like, I mean, good lord, there should be nothing scary about a dude with jack boots walking into a bathroom while a girl's peeing. You're like, obviously, this guy is going to kill her. And yet, I'm sitting there like in anticipation of her killing, of her getting killed. Like. What's going to happen? Right. Like, that's even a shot see, from the uh, fucking trailer, and I'm still like, oh, my God.
0: Like, yeah. That's masking. Well, also, man. you're like, they're, they're British podcasters who have his mask and tried to, like, taunt him. Right. They're definitely getting murdered. They're definitely but, getting uh, murdered. No, I mean, I think that's the interesting point, right? Is, like, they, they have so many awesome kills on screen. Yeah. And to me, it was always interesting when they chose to pull back. Because, I mean, to me, it's one of those things that in horror movies, you rarely see horror movies to me, especially slashers, where they they don't get their money's worth on everybody. Yeah. And so I thought that was cool. But the gas station scene is fascinating because him seeing, like you said, we see in the background, we know what's happening in there. So in a way, we are still seeing the kills. And for David Gordon Green to know that and use that against us is actually beautiful. Because like you said... We are imagining kills in our head. We see the aftermath. So we're, we're seeing those kills even if they're off screen. Right. But what it's doing is as we're doing more and more work, we're getting more and more stressed out and we're getting ratcheted up. Right. So like you said, the moment that is very generic and done all the time in slasher movies still is heightened. Right. And I think that was something I noticed. I was like, what a cool fucking choice To kind of parse those out.
1: I mean, he just
0: like you put that right before we go to Haddonfield and we get the, the murder spree porn. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And you're like, okay, we don't need that now. But then, you know, when he kills the, the overweight friend Mm -hmm. and he fucking has the little cemetery post up Uh... under his uh, soft little chin area. Oh, what an extra nice touch. But see, like they don't show us that because the punch they're going for is we are put in the shoes of when Lori hears that scream. Yeah. We are now imagining the death, knowing what she's about to see. So that that pulling back is actually so fucking awesome. They do it again in the end with the police. I, um, it, It's really a cool... It, it's very much like boxing, like yeah. you said, right? Like, they use a lot of feints, and then they fucking hit you with these massive I blows. Love, awesome.
1: I love that they're not just showing the kill. They want us to see the end result. Like, the kills they choose to show are very specific. Like... Of course, we're going to see Toby Husk get killed because he's a dumb dad who went out to like, you know, the thing that I noticed the most in this movie was by the end of this film, every single man gets murdered. Like guys are fucking <laughs> murdered repeatedly in this film. Only one woman dies in this movie Two, two or three women die in this movie. Almost all men two die. Two
0: ladies in their house die for sure. Two
1: ladies die in their house. Two ladies die in a house and then the podcasting lady dies in the bathroom. But like all right, every so three. every single man dies. It is left up to the yeah. women at the end of the, it's left up left up to the strode women at the end of this movie, which I think is fucking brilliant because you basically boil it out you boil out the police as being completely useless. Like and I love Will Patton. I think he's an awesome actor and I love it when he shows up in movies, but I love that. I mean, he dies like such a chump. You're like, eh, I saw that coming a million miles away, man." Like,
0: okay, now this is actually something I wanted to get to, right? The doctor, uh, what was his name? Sartine. Sartine? Sartain. I this character might be the most effectively utilized in the movie to me of yeah. all the characters, right? Cuz he plays out like, "Oh, here's just a crazy Loomis Jr." Right. And everyone who watches Halloween knows as sacred as the shape is Donald Pleasance is Dr. Loomis. Right. That is just such fucking hallowed ground for horror movie fans. It's one of the great performances. Right. It's insane. And so the movie starts and he's kind of playing as this sucker version of Loomis. And I was like, Oh man, he's just the worst. Like, I just don't (laughs) like this guy that much. Right. But what, by the time they unveil him, you look back throughout the movie and you're like, oh, fuck. Like, this guy's crazy. So, once we learn that the doctor is kind of the evil mastermind behind a lot of this. Yeah. You look back and you're like, he was letting those podcasters fuck with Michael a lot. Yeah. And it it should have seemed weird to us, right? Like, sure. by then, he would already... The patient was leaving. He hadn't talked in so long. Why would he? Then we... This is something crazy. My buddy mentioned to me. He's like, do you think the doctor caused the accident on the bus. And I was like, oh, for sure. The doctor is the one who murdered the police and, and wrecked that bus. Right. And that's a cool thing. Cause at the start, you're like, well, clearly Michael Myers broke out and killed everyone, whatever. Yeah. But then you're left to wonder how did the doctor escape? Why did the doctor? Well, escape?
1: I, I really like that. He's Cause like, he
0: wrecked the he's... bus. He killed the cops. And then Michael broke out later. Right. right. He watched him leave and then went back to the bus. Like that makes sense to me. You're like, fuck. But the moment, Because he kind of – he has others, right? He's like fanboying out over Laurie Strode. But the moment where the doctor hits – (laughs) or Michael gets hit by the car and, of course, is perfectly fine. Right. But when that doctor turns and fucking stabs the sheriff in the throat, without hesitation, I will say that is about as shocked as I've been in a movie in a long time. Yeah. Right? We watch a lot of movies. We break them down for our shows. We're both writers. You can usually kind of see the 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 shape of the wind, as it were. You kind of know where we're going. I truly had no concept that was coming and was totally off guard. And that is something so impressive for Halloween to be able to do at this point.
1: Yeah. I think that what's interesting is yeah, when you go back, the um the keys are dropped in front of us. Like uh uh-huh. push like pulling out the mask, like any doctor, like I can imagine, like, can you I can think of a scene in a movie where Donald Pleasance would have literally ripped that mask from that guy's hands, like, the fuck are you doing here? Get out of here. Like this well, guy Yeah, he would
0: have been like, He's evil, don't fight evil yeah. <laughs> Don't incite evil
1: <laughs> But that's like what that is to me. Like he's it's like Dr. Loomis with Stockholm Syndrome essentially. And I love that. Yeah. Because yeah, when he does you're like, holy shit. But then like see, and this is the part that I love about not seeing so many kills. Because to me, the real brutality of Michael Myers in this movie is the aftermath of a lot of stuff. Like, you see that he's broken someone's neck completely and twists him around. You see that he's literally pul- pulverized a guy's face into the counter to where his teeth fell out. And, like, that yeah. fucking skater boy boyfriend gets literally lifted three feet off the air and stabbed into the wall. Like, that is the part yeah. where I'm like, this is fucking brutal, man. I right. the surprising thing to me was fucking when he like driver from drive Sart uh to Sartain's head, like blew it up. Oh like that was it's I was such like such
0: a fucking great death. that's not the kills only does he grab I want man. out. Right. He grabs him out, but Sartine has that great moment where he just goes, Say anything. Yeah. Or say something, right? One or the other. Same impact. And Michael looks at him and does the classic kind of head tilt when he's looking at his victims or his carnage. Yeah. And I wondered for a moment if he was going to say something, right? Mm -hmm. I was like, are we going to get a Caesar in the Planet of the Apes moment? (laughs) Or he's just going to go, no. Or something like that, right? I was like, oh, my God, they're about to let Michael say something. And when he stomps him, you're like, that's so gangster. Yeah. That's so perfect because lesser writers would take that beat to say something. Yeah. And I thought it was just such a fucking... But that's what I mean. And Sartain becomes this really interesting character because you look at him and and while... Yeah, Pleasance is kind of this like true believer. this He's absolute pure evil. He's not a man. We must destroy him at all costs. He constantly just wants to murder him, very much like Laurie. Right. That's the normal reaction to being around Michael. This doctor is the first one who sees what Michael is and recognizes it... It's beautiful. It's it's so different and unique and special that right. he sees that is something that needs to be flourish, flourishing, and needs to be studied. We can actually learn from this, right? Everyone else is the same. This guy is something unique and wonderful, if not terrifying. Right. Uh, and I think to me, the moment where you see he's lost it, because when he stands up from killing the sheriff, when he's talking about oh, the physical exhaustion, like this is what it feels like. Right. Yeah. This is a guy who's who's. Tr- Using this as a learning experiment—that's fucking scary. Oh yeah. And when he puts the fucking mask on, there's
2: oh that
1: was it's insane. such an unusual
0: reaction to Michael. It's fucking great, right? I that love moment that. is one of the best. It's, but that's what I mean. He he might end up by the end of the movie having been my favorite character.
1: It's a really interesting inversion of because the whole time you know you do see like Loomis is this yeah he is sacred and it's Donald Pleasance but it's also this sort of like guiding lights, like almost spirit animal for the movie. Like, Oh God, if only we had Loomis here to like help us out, you know, this is like this great inversion of that because it's, again, this movie is a retelling of the first one. It just does a lot of, it does a couple of things different. And that's one of those that it does differently. And like to such great effect that it really, it makes the final confrontation so much greater because there's literally nothing standing between them. Then I love that.
0: Yeah, it. Oh, I mean, it, it's so great. Now the ending, where we have to dissect the survivalist aspect.
1: Wait, can I say one thing about the? There's a scene. Yes. Uh, right before the ending, there's a scene where the two police officers are talking about banh mi sandwiches.
0: Okay. Yes. And
1: we were, I was watching it in the middle of in the theater. I was thinking, I'm like, you know, Griffey and I probably would have written something like this when we've fledgling written <laughs> the horror. So I'm like, this is stuff like. <laughs>
0: That's why we don't have big-ass movie
1: <laughs> Like, This is the kind of innocuous that thing. That
0: is one of the worst moments in a movie to me. <laughs> I, and that's what I mean. It's like actual like character building. You really feel like you get to know these guys a step more. But why? Yeah. What, what is the value I of mean, that? I mean, really like, what it is. Why stop? It, we know that Michael Myers is in the back of a car, passed out, yeah. with Laurie Strode's granddaughter. The psychiatrist is crazy. That's such a weird moment I, I, to take that shot.
1: I get it, though. Like it's purely for pacing because what it is, is it's the taste right before you it's the taste right before the score. Like what's your, it's
0: do- also the last little bit of levity, I guess. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's
1: your last, it's like, it's your last stop. It's like, you're, this is like the fork and it's the last stop. You're either going to turn left or you're going to turn right. So are you going to go left into crazyville? You're going to go home. Like you're going to crazyville and that's where you get the ending, which is fucking great. Go ahead.
0: Umbridge. All right, so our ending takes place, right? Our final showdown is that Michael Myers has now been brought by the doctor to the survivalist house. His theory is that these two need to have their showdown, and and it's important, right? Right. It's a, it's a learning experience. I think this is the part of the movie that lost me the most. I understand what they're going for, but by the end of the movie... They expect us to believe that she's such a genius that she foretold far too many things. It it was hard for me to accept, and it pulled me out of the moment, right? Because all you're thinking at the whole ending is how bad of a survivalist she is, right? Like, you're in your panic room. Don't fucking panic and shoot through the floor so he right, knows where right, you are. Yeah. If you're in the panic room, don't leave the fucking panic room. Um, if you have TVs to survey everything, have those... In the panic room, right. not in your kitchen, you know, or both. Uh, you have giant floodlights all over the outside of your property. But when you think Michael Myers is coming, you turn off all the lights in the house so he can jump you from a Kohl's display. <laughs> I was like, what is happening? <laughs> it, and this is and was that part of her plan? Where she's like, I want Michael to grab me and body slam me from the second floor, but not kill me. So that then I can sneak in and lock him in. the." It, it was a lot. Sure. To me, it was a lot.
1: I think there are... And
0: also, like, she would even let uh, fucking Dingus' husband have a key to her eight locks to even get outside to go chat with the cops. Right. I. Uh, By the way, flashlight and the hollowed-out skull, that's an all-time Halloween. That was dinner.
1: great. Oh, my God. I that love that. That was
0: awesome. <laughs> um, you should have had the fucking bon-me sandwich poking out, though.
1: <laughs> I, had, I had less umbrage to take with that, and this is why, because... Okay. When the movie starts, like when we first meet Laurie Strode, I because it's, it's, again, this whole thing comes down to inversions of what the original is. It's the retelling with, see, these added bonuses and like all these inversions that happen towards the end, especially in the third act. And this is the part I loved is we've been led to believe that Laurie Strode is essentially living the survivalist lifestyle. And yeah, and I'm not saying that, yes, it is convenient in a lot of ways that, you know, how that happened. There's a lot of. Leaps you have to take, but I also tend to believe a woman who's dedicated her entire life to not just fortifying her house from, let's say, surviving an attack, but also training her family to survive. Mm -hmm. To me, the house itself, like when they finally, when they finally say it's not, it's not it's not it's not a, it's not a fortress, it's a trap like that to me. Yeah. That to me does make sense. Look, I'm not saying that a lot of a yes, lot of, no,
0: I'm w- I'm with you as so far. I'm with you so far. I'm
1: not saying a lot of parts of her plan didn't go wrong. Like I'm sure she didn't intend to stand by the door and almost get choked out by Michael Myers, and I also don't but think But they
0: she, make it seem like she did.
1: Sure, but I also think that goes to the skill of like that goes to the skill of editing and filmmaking because again, what right. what you're not <laughs> going to do immediately after that is have a shot of Laurie going, "Damn it, I didn't mean to do that." You're like, all right.
0: But this is this was what I was actually thinking as this played out, right? Like just even little things. Like, why are those fucking door gates not on remote control? Right. Like little stuff, right? Constant little things. Like when you have a gun, uh, shoot and don't walk up and point your gun all the way into the closet so we sure. can fucking grab it. Um I was sitting there watching, and I was like, she's had forty fucking years, and this is all she does every day. Let's take out 20 of those, right, for parenting and marriages. 20 fucking years. I'm like, Macaulay Culkin's house is more dangerous of a trap in one week in Home Alone. All right, one night. Nay, one night. No, no. See, <laughs> but, Strodes is. Michael Myers would never have gotten through the fucking McAllister house as easily as he did the Strode house.
1: Right, but that's – see, there's, that's the – this is the thing I love about the movie, though. That's the genius of the idea is like – the home alone house, Kevin McAllister's house is offensive. He's there to take, he's that there to take back his house. He's there to defend his house. That house is right. built. That house is built to burn. So therefore getting him in the house. Cause I agree. Like when they got there, I was like, kind of rolling my eyes. I'm like, great. This is going to be easy. And it's going to come down to like one final shot and it's going to almost kill the family. And that'll be it. Like, I fucking was like, great. This is how it's going to go. And then you get through the whole thing. And again, this is a movie that makes you remember. Like it's a movie that takes you back again because you really mm-hmm. think about it. And of course, Laurie Strode has been training for this. Of course she would be the bait. Like she's going to be the one sniffing through the house looking for him. And of course she's going to be the one who want to like manually hit those things because she wants to trap Michael in that house somehow, some way, right. she wants to trap Michael in that house. And that to me is sort of sure. the in that's that's the that's the workaround for the logic of make everything remote control dummy. Like why are you even worrying about this? Sit right.
0: L- I mean to me it just I, I agree with your concept, right? I, I think it's really cool. What I like is that it's this switcheroo where it's she's the hunter and he's the hunted. Right. They have so many great Easter egg moments to the to the original right like when he throws her off the balcony yeah and he goes and looks down and she's gone you're like that's chill city that's amazing right and i love that but also it's kind of hard to be like why didn't he just fucking snap her never mind all right sure but the movie makes you constantly do that and that's what i mean there were moments where they played it so slick right like i love the judy greer moment where she's like i can't do it mom i can't do it and michael pops out and she's like gotcha Poof, yeah and fucking, fucking shoots him i was like that oh my god the training i'm like she still has the training i think that was like right now i'm getting oh yeah no that that, that scene really,
1: to me was the best scene that's the best moment in the movie bar none like that is another i still
0: say the psychiatrist shank but that was so that was another kick that's ass what i wanted the ending to play like more and more and less of the kind of like Everything's not working, but ha That's what was supposed to happen. The, the only moment. problem I had that Judy Greer moment is what I wanted every fucking moment. But that Judy that. Greer, and maybe you can't pull that off.
1: That Judy Greer moment, though, only lasts once. Like that Judy Greer moment's only effective one time, so you got to save it for the end. Sure. And to me, when she fucking shoots that guy, a hey, again, I'm like, did we just shoot Michael Myers in the neck and he's not going to bleed out and die? No, never, of course not. <clears throat> but we get this. This is actually the this is the umbrage I would take with the ending. Actually, is like, why are we burning the fucking house down? Shoot that guy in the face and end this thing once for all. Like, be done. Like, pin him down and shoot him in the fucking face. We're never gonna get that moment. Well,
0: they should have had him slip on race cars, fall on ornaments, take him to the ground, <laughs> drop paint. <and> <laughs> but no, I mean, there. I I like. The theory of all of it. I like the fun of it. It just, it was a little clunky to me. Sure. But again, you get the Judy Greer moment. You get the balcony moment. When they actually throw all the locks and Michael, as the room is on fire, stares unmoving through the gate at the Strode's. Yeah. I was like, that's such a fucking money shot. Oh, yeah. That is such a fucking phenomenal payoff. And of course, at the end we hear breathing and Michael's probably still coming back for more. But to me it was to to wrap it all up, right? Like what I I went in and everyone's talking about this as an absolute masterpiece. And I think I unfairly expected it to be this perfect fucking streamlined beautiful vision the same way that the first Halloween was. I I found it at times clunky. I I found the family dialogue and the the dialogue with the millennials not so good at times. Right. At times, when they're at the family dinner and Laurie busts in and fucks it all up, that was brilliant. Yeah, but a lot of it I found very clunky. Right, the dialogue wasn't great. Um, I found the ending a little clunky, this and that. But that's to me, there's such small little gripes because yeah. what the movie does well is as good as any other moments in Halloween. Yeah. Um, it's it it's so fucking good, and if you can get by little tiny issues you may have with it. Like, I think this is the kind of Halloween movie that the more we watch it and watch it, we're just going to find more stuff to fall in love with. There's so many Easter eggs and all these other things that people have found that I was seeing the whole time. You're just like, wow, this is so again, like you say, it's just fun. Like, is it the most scary Halloween movie? No. Um, But it was one of the best and easily one of the most fun. Yeah. And Michael, was awesome yeah and Laurie Strode was awesome and you know the new psychiatrist was fucking awesome so to me the amount of awesome power you get overwhelms the the small clunky bits to me totally
1: I think if you're looking for a good time at the movies especially around the horror season you're gonna be hard-pressed to find a better time than Halloween like that was such a fun ride and such a great movie and again it does it does some unexpected things. It does exactly what a movie that's the 11th installment but is actually a direct sequel to the original should be doing. It's you, you, I mean, I think you're completely on the ball by saying that it's like it's like the same way the Force Awakens is. It's giving you what you it's giving what you've had before but like a couple different flavors.
0: Right. Was well, Halloween 2 is the exact same movie but in a hospital. Right. Right, and a lot of them are. It's the same movie, but he's hunting a child, whatever. This one is so much a Cliff Notes, almost handshake embrace of the first one, but it does find so much fertile ground. It's actually crazy to me how much, how many kind of new wrinkles and different avenues they found. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like you said, in the eleventh, whatever the fuck movie, man. And is it as good as Halloween Resurrection? I don't know, but <laughs> yeah. But no, I I loved it, man. And I, that's the thing. I'm I'm a biased audience because I've loved every Halloween movie. Um, to me, H two O is by far the worst. I like the Rob Zombie movies. Um, you know, I don't know in a rankings where I would put this. Easily top five. I think people would kill me online. Like, how fucking dare you? This is easily the behind the original. Maybe man, but I've I've seen it once. I've seen the others like ten times each. Yeah, The original I've seen so many times, I can't even count. But, you know, I that's what I mean. This is easily among the conversations uh, for best Halloween movie that's not the original Halloween. Yeah. And it's making a fuckload of money. We're going to get more uh, Michael Myers out of this. I don't know what more you could want from this movie.
1: I very much enjoyed my experience seeing Halloween in the theater. So... I really don't think you can get a better plug than a guy who does not regularly go see horror movies to say, go see this movie in the theater. It's awesome.
0: (laughs) For sure, man. And find out where that little kid went. Yeah, maybe that's the sequel. (laughs) God, I hope so. Maybe that kid's grown up and he's like, I'm the babysitter now, bitch. And he's awesome and tough. Perfect. That would be cool. (laughs) Or, yeah, Kevin (laughs) McAllister. Michael Myers just, he crawls out of the wreckage. He gets floated down a river to Chicago. (laughs) Or up a river, wherever the fuck Haddonfield's supposed to be. And he wakes up at Christmas time. Macaulay Culkin's just looking through the blinds. But it's an old-ass, kind of drug-looking Macaulay Culkin from a couple years ago. Perfect. That's a movie I'd watch. (laughs) Anyways, guys, I hope you all went to the theater to see Halloween. If you haven't, and you listen to this show, uh, you know that we strongly recommend doing that. If you have other buddies that have seen Halloween... Share the show with them. It means the world to us. Um, Guys, we're on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube now. Uh, We're going to be coming live to you very soon. You're going to be looking at our faces while hearing our voices. Uh, Big stuff coming down the road, but we need your guys' help with ratings, reviews if you can. Uh, Share us on your social media sites. Follow our social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the normal shit. Uh, More than anything, guys, the sharing... And then talking to us specifically about what movies you want to see. Help us guide the movies that we're watching so that this show can be everything you guys want it to be. That's what we like. We love finding the weirdest, fucking most awesome, fun movies we can find to watch. Uh, And we need your help with that. Please. Please. Now you just do that for five minutes until they break.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guys, we do a lot of we do a lot of fun stuff here. We wanted you guys to participate, so tell us what you want, and we'll see if it will work within the curation. If you want to send us Big. send us a curation,
0: that's right. Big stuff on the horizon, guys. Uh, thanks for the ride. We'll see you soon for the rest of our scary October and then November the pod goes to the school of hard knocks really fun movies uh next month very excited to dive into those hell yeah for the film alchemist i'm josh griffey i'm
1: alex dandino
0: never trust a psychiatrist with a mustache